This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And the world all right with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be A lovely day Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell I used to see this band perform this song live in Montreal at Brutopia I'm sure you remember Brutopia. Not. Nah, Holy I, I don't know crap. if I do. Yeah, maybe. You're from Montreal. I know. A couple doors down from Hurley's. Okay. I know Hurley's is. Yeah. Well, Brutopia was. Brutopia was a bar that when Hurley's was full, you would go to. <laughs> no. Hurley's was a cool place. Brutopia must say it doesn't. I don't remember. Brutopia was cooler than Hurley's. God, I, I have Younger the worst crowd, memory. The live worst music. Memory. Yeah. Yeah, and they made the, they you know they're making their own beer. They had this raspberry beer, you know. I'm such a typical college student. I'm like, give me the raspberry beer. Can you put a straw in it? I heard I get drunk quicker if I put it in. I honestly, um, you guys are ripping on me because uh, I don't really know this song. But even hearing it, it kind of sounds familiar. But it, I don't. Wasn't it just in a commercial? Yeah, it was like in a Gap commercial. It's been in a million commercials. Who watches commercials now? Actually, I do. I'm an idiot. I find myself on weekends. I'm like, I'll, if the TV's on, I'll start flipping through the TV. Yeah. And even though like it's a movie, I might even be able to watch without commercials on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, all the services I subscribe to, I'll still find myself watching the TV version. I know. And then it's got like commercials. And they, it's, it's the worst. It's too much effort, though, to go yeah. find it on demand. I know. Especially if it's a movie like The Fugitive or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's not worth it to go look for it because I've seen it a million times, but or Shawshank Redemption, you know, all the time. You're yeah. just gonna watch it because it it's got you. And you never think you're gonna watch the whole thing. You always think, oh, I, I could put it on, but I'm just gonna watch this like a couple more segments Scenes, or yeah, something. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Before you know it, the movie's over, and all of a sudden you're like into the Breakfast Club now with commercials <laughs> again. You're like, oh, what am I doing? It's the I Breakfast know. Club. I've seen it a hundred times. But it's yes. always good. It's never not bad. Yeah, Breakfast Club is a pretty good one. I think my kids. Uh, Watched that one and liked it. Maura, Actually, my one daughter. I haven't seen it yet. I, I can't really. That. I haven't oh, seen it yeah, yet. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I don't know how that one escaped me, but I I miss like a couple of ones. Even like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I didn't see till later. What about Sixteen Candles? No, I was a bit young for that. I yeah, think I but was, uh, like, so was I probably. But eventually, you start watching them. You know, you get to them. Mm-hmm. Sixteen Candles. You got Pretty in Pink. Nope. You got Breakfast Club. Nope. Um, These are it. all by the same director, right? Yeah. Like Ron uh, Howard? Uh, no, not Ron Howard. Um, well, I don't know. Like, does this song, like, it doesn't have any meaning to you then? Yeah. It has meaning to me, just not a visual meaning. Oh, my God. Every time I hear this song, I just, just 
the hand up. Yeah. Yeah, still, man. still frame as he's leaving. Yeah. John Hughes is the guy who's oh, responsible yeah, for all yeah. those movies. Yeah. You know John? what other movie John Hughes did? He did E.T. No, he didn't do E.T. <laughs> Is that Spielberg? Yeah. He didn't do E.T. Well, what did he do? Uh, he did, I'm pretty sure, Home Alone, I think, is John Hughes. I think oh. the Home Alone series. At least the first two, if uh, not, I, I don't know if he would have been a part of that third one. Didn't the third one just go straight to video? I don't uh, know. Look up Home Alone director, and I'm pretty sure you're going to get John Hughes on that bad boy. He did Home Alone, yeah. He did what Uncle a- Buck, Planes, Trains. Uncle Buck. <laughs> Weird Science. Weird Science. Pretty Pink, 16 Remember Candles, when that Ferris guy Bueller's. went, was that the movie where the guy went down on the girl and he was wearing the Vader mask and she thought it was like her boyfriend, but it was a nerd? No, no. Th- <laughs> uh, that <laughs> wasn't Weird Science. What movie was that? That was Nerds. That was Nerds. <laughs> wasn't there a movie just called Nerds? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it was full on rape. It was, uh, it was one of those movies that you... You watch it today and you're like, that is inappropriate. It wasn't Revenge of the Nerds. No, that, that's what it was called. Revenge of the Nerds. And there was that scene where the nerd pretended to be somebody else, yeah. slept with a girl, and then in well, the movie- Well, he went down on her. He didn't oh, sleep yeah. with her. He went down on her. And then- And uh, then, uh, because he con- he pretended to be the boyfriend, right. and then she had the best oral experience Of her ever. life, and then she fell for him. And then realized it was a nerd, and nerds are really good in bed. But th- that's, it was rape. It was rape. <laughs> in a- every way. It was crazy. I, I think I heard they're uh, trying to do a modern take of Revenge of the Nerds. That scene will not be part of it. Not scene. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Well, that's what they do now is they just recreate movie. I know. Movie. We've run out of ideas, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like RoboCop. You know, all yeah. the big ones get recreated. What are you going to land a principal role in a movie and turn it down because I don't do remakes? <laughs> I only do new content, okay? Yeah. Fresh ideas over here. What's a remake that was better than the original? I guess you could say like um There ha- it has happened once in a while. Yeah. Where you uh, have ha- The Dark Knight trilogy. Oh. Yeah, but that's not a remake. Uh, that's just yeah, like, it's like a different iteration on the same character. Yeah. It's not just the same movie but done differently. Uh, slightly, um, I Ooh. guess. What about uh, well, the one uh, Star is Born, of course, is a remake. The Bradley Cooper, yeah, Star is Lady Born, Gaga, and comes I, in at number two for a remake that was better than the original. So that's not the number one. Oh yeah. Although these are so old, Scarface is number seven. There's not a is there yeah, an there original, is an original Scarface? Yeah. yeah, before Al Pacino. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh These are God. all old movies. The Fly. I guess there was a remake before the Jeff Goldblum. Even the Jeff Goldblum version is almost. I, I mean, I was certainly way too young to have watched that movie when oh it came my God, out. That was crazy. Oh, uh, Ocean's Eleven was pretty great. Ocean's oh. Eleven was pretty good. That was a remake, but those sequels, I thought the second one was okay. The one that jumped the shark was the one where Julia Roberts ended up. Uh, you know, she was playing Tess, but then also pretended to be Julia Roberts in the movie. Was that the third one? Ocean's 13, maybe, yeah. I forget. Whatever one that one was in, where that part happened, that was the stupidest thing, and it ruined it for me. Mm. And then I was out. But uh, I did like the first one. Yeah, me too. Brad Pitt's character was so hot, too. He, he was dressed very well in that movie. Great suits. Yeah. Scent of a Woman. 
comes up. Uh, Scent of a Woman. Who's in there? Uh, one that I would know. I guess it was originally an Italian film from the seventies that they redid. Oh, and, Scent of a Woman. Yeah. Yes. That was where, yeah. yeah, Al Pacino is like planning a trip to New York City because at the end of it, he's going to kill himself and he wants to have one last hoorah. Yes. And he brings uh, Chris O'Donnell along with Chris him O'Donnell. as his like, eyes and uh, personal assistant. And then they end up having a great time. Apparently, it was, it was also an early glimpse at the raw talent of a young Philip Seymour Hoffman. Do you remember who he was in that movie? Yeah, he was one of the rich, douchey kids who was like trying to screw over poor Chris O'Donnell, who was there on a scholarship or something you know philip seymour hoffman that wouldn't be the first time he played some rich douchey kid because <laughs> if you've ever seen the talented mr ripley mm-hmm. he was a rich douchey kid in that one as was well. he i'll tell you something though it looks pretty fun to be rich and douchey <laughs> going on well, trips having the summer off in italy you know douchey is the thing you got to eliminate from that i know you're gonna like uh this one uh bram stoker's dracula is said to be better than the original Dracula. Mm, well, Wasn't that the one you liked? Because that's got Gary Oldman, my uh, longtime uh, collaborator. Honestly, I don't think I ever saw that. I don't oh. think that's what I was talking about. I brought that up. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen any of those like old Dracula movies. Speaking of horror, you know what was a pretty good remake? The, uh, the new It. I thought the new It was not bad. Yeah, well, the first one wasn't really a movie. It was a TV series, I think. Yes. People so, love that movie. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. My kids have watched it. I uh, just see that clown, and I'm like, I can't go down that road. That is terrifying. So you know how I told you I recently bought some VR goggles with my daughters? We all chipped in together yeah. to get the Oculus Quest 2. There's a game. I haven't played it yet. Uh, one of the games we have, I guess you can do something, and then all of a sudden... Uh, it comes into the room or a scary clown that's dressed like it and mm-hmm. my one daughter freaked out like it scared the shit out of her mm-hmm. it's amazing how realistic that vr is i'm gonna bring in the vr goggles for you guys to try uh bonus i think you'd love it there's this one game i was playing it's like a shooter yeah and uh but it's done in a, in a almost like a comic book style like it's not super realistic in terms of feeling like you're in the real world you're mm. definitely in a made-up world mm. but you're essentially on a conveyor belt moving through and you've got this gun and people appear and you got to shoot them and when they shoot at you the bullet comes at you like matrix style Ooh. where it's like do, 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 and you got to duck and move and you then can duck and move there's a wall that'll be coming at you and you got to move over to the side because you're on this like conveyor going through it or, or i guess you're supposed to be running i'm not really sure uh, but I, again, I was playing it for maybe 20 minutes and I started to feel sick. Yeah. I had to put it down because anything where it's moving for me, I'm having a hard time with. I almost I need it. to like, I get it. Be ready for that. Almost take a grab all before doing a large VR session, but they make it so realistic that when the wall's coming at you, you're afraid to have it hit you. Because you feel like it's going to hit you. Like you get lost Isn't in that there, world or you have to duck under things. There was like that whole plot in The Matrix, as you bring up that movie, like when you die in The Matrix, your body dies for real because it thinks it's real. Yeah, that happens with the Oculus Quest too. <laughs> if you die in a, in a game, you really die. I just mean like when something hits you, it, it, do, uh, you know, is there any sort of physical reaction? Like because your body thinks it's going to happen. There's the re- you feel like you're gonna hit something, so you your body has that anticipation of it. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's that. 
But um, I think I would really like to experience like boxing or something like that. Yeah, they have workouts where yeah. you can do all these things and you have to go through these different shapes that are coming at you. So you're squatting and getting up and squatting. And, and so there's workouts you can do. Sounds cool. There's things where you have like lightsabers and you're bashing these things to make music as they're coming at you, almost like a guitar hero mm. sort of scenario. I We just got it. So we're just diving into the surface. But you can also just put on the goggles and be somewhere else and take in the scenery. And yeah, it's amazing. Amazing how it gives you a sense of space. My brother-in-law loves to just go for a stroll in Paris. I don't know how he does it, but he like drops down in different countries and just experiences different countries. And looks around. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. What is, were we is talking about? Flying ones? Yeah. I've I've been doing a flying one. I so far I'm just flying like a little ultralight in a cartoon world. Mm-hmm. I think there's ways like if you have a gaming PC, like a souped up gaming PC that has a great video card, mm-hmm. you can connect the two and then you can run some pretty hardcore flight simulators through the VR goggles. Like maybe that new uh I think that new Microsoft flight simulator might have some uh compatibility with it or you can like join the two. That would be two. pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. So I'm doing that now and I'm just it's different planes, but it's just a bit of a cartoon world. Uh, there might be other ones that exist, but you know, you, you're flying, you look to your left, you see left, you know, up, down, all that stuff. Again, makes me feel a little sick though. If I'm, yeah. uh, if I'm playing it and I turn my head the wrong way at the it wrong sucks time. Because I feel like there's almost like a, a switch that happens. And then all of a sudden roller coasters are, aren't fun anymore. Like I used to seriously ride, I'd go to Wonderland and hit rides all day. No problems. Now I can't. I just feel like I'm going to vomit. You know, things have changed for me. So I feel like the VR headset's not going to work. Yeah, you can watch Netflix, though, with it. So if you didn't have a TV in the room you're in, say you're in your bedroom, you can't sleep. Mm. You can put on Netflix on the VR goggles. You'll be sitting in a room looking at a giant screen mm. and get the effect of being like uh, in, I don't know, Colorado or Vail or something, looking out the window at a ski hill. Then you got the screen and then your Netflix menu works the same way as Netflix does. You put something on, you're watching it on the screen with your VR goggles. So you don't get sick in that scenario. It's almost like you're in a theater. Anything where it's uh, where you're not moving within, you don't have to worry about oh, okay, that. Okay, gotcha. Because it feels so solid where you are. Right. So if I, I'll, I'll find something that I think you get a kick out of. Okay. You know, like uh, walking on a plank off a skyscraper. Yeah. You don't feel sick doing that. You get the exposure vibe, yeah. but you don't get like it's moving yeah, 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 kind yeah. of vibe. Totally. Like if you're reading a book in a car that's uh, underway, a lot of people might feel sick that way. Yeah. Yeah, I got vertigo, man. Like I fully have vertigo. Yeah, I feel like this could trigger it if you were using them the <laughs> wrong it way. And it sucks. It sucks yeah. so bad. I, I, I remember I got it when I was... Um, or I had given birth to my daughter. She was like four months and breastfeeding. I couldn't look down when she was breastfeeding. I could, cause that would give me a vertigo trip. I couldn't look up to kiss my husband. Cause mm-hmm. that would give me vertigo. Yeah. I had to keep my head at an even plane. And this went on for like six months. Do you guys want to know what the number one remake was like the remake that's better than the original nope let's wrap up the podcast right now see you everyone <laughs> goodbye all right <laughs> you don't have time for it all right back to a song i don't ever remember hearing but you guys think i'm crazy because Someone of it it's bill withers no i'll give it to us you know what I, after what? that build up i feel bad because it's like a movie from the 40s the maltese falcon 
apparently, uh, it was originally made in 1931. They did it again in 41, and that version was better. Yeah, I've never seen that one. Yeah. The Maltese Falcon. Uh-huh. Never seen it either. Heard of it. But- Sometimes those old movies, man, they the pace of them is they're so damn slow to get through. What's the the most famous movie of all time? It's it's usually Casablanca. No, one? like there's Citizen one. Citizen Kane. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> it's often at the top of you know the list of greatest movies ever made. Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that, going, "Oh my god, this thing's so slow!" And then you get to the end, Rosebud or whatever the the thing that was some stuff out. It was it was not very uh, fulfilling after seeing that, based on the hype that was r- around it. Even though it was a cool movie, cinematically, as someone who studied cinema at Concordia University, mm-hmm. the thing that was remarkable about that film was that the fr- it was the, the first movie to ever have like one long take and they did this one long take no editing off the top I can't remember how long that shot was it was like a two minute shot which yeah. would have been very difficult to do back in those days I know but in like whenever I saw that movie 2015 it didn't feel as cool. Kind of like watching Goodfellas. There was this uh, amazing scene that they had uh, with this steady cam. Yes. That was newly available at the time, mm-hmm. I think, where they're walking into that club and they're going through the back way. Yeah. And they set up the table that's special for them to see the, whoever it was performing. Yeah. And it was this big, long scene. And I think it was the longest single shot that had ever been you know, used in motion pictures. Mm-hmm. Now you watch it. It doesn't, you don't think twice about it. It doesn't stand up because to the test of time well it, it stands up it's a great scene but it's not like whoa you mm-hmm. know because it's been done again in other ways so like citizen kane it's almost like you need to put on your 1940s glasses or whatever and <laughs> bring yourself back to that time in order to appreciate it fully oh my god you guys would have died because studying cinema was like you just watch these old movies we did like whole semesters on silent movies and our prof would play like really weird music of his own selection to go along with the film which didn't really feel right but he said if you went to the movie theater there'd usually be somebody playing the piano up at the front so uh he thought that it was justified that he would play his own tracks while we watched these movies yeah, sometimes, though, uh, those choruses give you an appreciation for them. So do you now find yourself, like, gravitating every once in a while to a silent movie? Could it make you like them? Because I took, um, for example, at McGill, I took a summer class. Yeah. And I was living in Montreal, and it was called uh, The Art of Listening. The nickname was Clapping for Credits. And it was like <laughs> learning about different forms of classical music in different eras. Yeah. And while it was kind of a, I took it as a bird course, it gave me an appreciation for different styles of classical music and gave me an education so I could say, oh, I'm a much bigger fan of Baroque-style music than I am, you know, modern uh, classical, where it's all just like crazy noises and stuff. I think the thing that it did for me studying cinema is that it kind of ruined movies for me because it it, it was, I remember... Uh, they, uh, one professor said, like, there is no accidents in film. Everything is put in the frame for a reason. Everything's cut for a reason. Everything's lit for a reason. So don't think there's an accident that happened. Like, it's all there. Uh, you know, there's some symbolism behind everything. Why do you see a cross? 
in the window frame. Like, that means something, you know? Everything means something. So it kind that, of ruined... Now I'm psychoanalyzing... That could be bullshit, though. That could be complete garbage. That's like people <laughs> dissecting paintings that were painted 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. And them saying, oh, the symbolism... This is just like people who think too much and get too deep about <laughs> what? stuff. What are you talking about, man? I'm saying that sometimes people find shit. They make shit up but like, in movies but- and in art in any form, and they dissect it in a way that I bet you the creator would be like, huh, interesting. <laughs> kind of like songs. You know, you ask an artist what a song means. The truth is, it was probably just a bunch of words that sounded good at the time while they were making it with a little bit of a meaning, but mm. people dive deeper into the meaning. They find their own meaning and stuff, and then they take that as, like, truth. I can agree to you to, 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 to an extent, but I think when you're talking about someone like Leonardo da Vinci, who understood sacred geometry, mm. his paintings weren't made by an accident. When you okay. look at a director like Stanley Kubrick, everything in that frame is there yes, for a reason. For a reason. Sure. You're yes. talking about the elite of the elite. Well, that's who we were watching. Yeah, but you're telling me like John Hughes when he was making Weird Science that in the background, <laughs> if it was a painting of something, maybe it was just a prop guy, needed something to fill a wall and somebody, you know, grabbed something from a shed or a, a truck outside. We did a whole unit on um, the Western. I did a, uh, like a whole course on just John Wayne and the Westerns. And he was often held up as the Christ figure in the movies. So you would see how they would zoom out on him and there would be just a crucifix in the frame. It wasn't a crucifix. It was just a cross from a window pane. But our teacher was like, look, what do you see in this frame? It's a crucifix. See, and oh. that could be totally by chance. <laughs> that could be totally no, by no, chance. No. He's the Christ figure in this movie, you know? That's why it's there. Uh, maybe they started doing it intentionally, but maybe the first time it happened, it was a total <laughs> fluke that just worked. And then they're like, oh, that's cool. That looks neat. I mean, look, I've edited a lot of movies uh, you know, whether they're family trips or whatever. And there are some things that happen by accident and you're like, oh, that really turned out well. And you roll with it. And then it becomes a thing. But before That's... that, it could be by chance. Do you think the person who did that very first shot where it was across, there's a total chance that was by accident? Mm. I, I don't know, man. I think when it comes to movies like that, wh- where you're actually setting up the frame and you you know the script and you know what you're trying to portray and you yeah. know the themes and the motives of your script, like you're setting up a frame to to con- like to portray a certain kind of uh, yes. vision to the to, so, to a lot of the time. Yes, but there's got to be a bunch of stuff that happens by chance, just like in music. You know, you watch anybody who's on some segment or documentary and you're seeing them write a song. Like uh, I, I, Sia comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Often she has music. And then she just scats along to the music, like you know, and then she's trying to find like words that match the sound she's making in that moment, and any word will do. It, based on the sound she's making, she'll be like, and then she'll be like, oh, your can be York, or you know what I mean? Like, that's it's it's a total fluke. And I agree. And, and, like, and I've written songs have, like that too myself. Sure. So every format's got to have that happening. Give me a break. Sure. There's got to be chance involved. 100%. That but people I, read into more after the fact, and people are like, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah, that's what my song's about, <laughs> you know? To a certain degree. But like at the same time, like if you have a piece of music and you're trying and it sounds somber and sad, the words you're going to write, even if you're like humming a melody and you don't know what those words are going to be yet, you you know the feeling of what you're trying to convey even in your melody that you're just humming so eventually those words will come out and then you have some words on the paper and you can start filling in the gaps and start making the point that you want to make 
Like it's not like, oh, just this sounds good. Like especially maybe in a pop song that's different. But if you're trying to create something artistic, you're always thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. but you can't think about every single thing in the shot. <laughs> Sometimes it's just filler. When you were on the set of RoboCop, were they like, oh, we need to make sure this wall here is damaged this way for the symbolism of uh, the left to right. Da- you know what I mean? Like the stupid stuff. Sometimes it's just a prop. The end people read more into it than what it was but I get it a lot of the time Stanley Kubrick knew what he was doing (laughs) these are artists but Bradley Cooper when he was making the remake to a star is born maybe just needed to have a chair at the table (laughs) and maybe it was pink you need to go take a cinema class yeah, so I could listen to a whole bunch of profs who are making shit up oh about movies. Oh my god. And I know it's gonna be. Thanks for listening to the podcast. A lovely day. You need this on your boat playlist, I think. Lovely day. Maybe for when I invite the 70-year-old friends that I have to come on board. (laughs) You guys will love this. Let's put on my Bill Withers playlist. (laughs) We'll see ya. Seemed impossible to think Then when someone else instead of me Always seems to know Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.